106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. He's got to be scared. He's a human being. He's a man. He's 77. And the power of the federal government, the full power of the federal government has been unleashed against him. A rogue Justice Department is a terrifying thing. And they are, make no mistake about it, out to get him. This guy, Jack Smith, is practically frothing at the mouth to put him behind bars and has the power to do it and is no dope. While that Mar-a-Lago case is going to go before a more Trump-friendly jury down in Florida, this one's not. And it's why he had to bring it. He knows what I know, which is the likelihood is that Mar-a-Lago case is going to get delayed beyond November 2024. It was set for May. It's going to get kicked. All Trump has to do is file enough motion practice to get it kicked to the, say, the summer of 2024. And then he looks at the judge, who is a Trump appointee, and says, we're too close to the election. You cannot do this. A clip of Jennifer Garner has gone viral with many people accusing her of making an ignorant, racist comment on Netflix's new series, Chelsea. Watch what she asks Regina King. Let's talk about our families maybe first, where we came from, where our parents came from. I grew up here in L.A., born and bred. Do you know where your ancestors are from? Yeah, <laughs> we're part of the triangle slave trade. Chelsea Handler literally said, we're going to have a conversation about where we came from and where our parents came from. So Jennifer asked Regina if she knows where her ancestors came from. How are people saying that that isn't polite? Even if Regina's ancestors were slaves, isn't that an important piece of familial history to talk about? The majority of people at that table have ancestors who came to America in horrific or less than ideal circumstances, whether they're white or black. We were slaves too. Why are we mad at Jennifer Garner for participating in a conversation that Chelsea Handler brought up? If we're mad at anyone, shouldn't it be Chelsea? You suck. You want to keep more of the money you earn. I'm afraid that's very selfish. <laughs> we shall want to tax that away. You want to own shares in your firm. We can't have that. The state has to own your firm. You want to choose where to send your children to school. That's very divisive. <laughs> You'll send your child where we tell you. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing. Well, they might not choose socialism. You do some tweets that seem to be, or at least give support to some who would call others conspiracy theories. For example, even today, Elon, you tweeted this thing about George Soros. When you do something like that, do you yeah, think Yeah, I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. Okay, but why share it? Why share it when people who buy Teslas may not agree with you? Advertisers on Twitter may not agree with you. Freedom of speech, I'm allowed to say what I want You wanted. absolutely are, but I'm trying to understand, do your tweets hurt the company. Are there advertisers on Twitter that will come and say, you got to stop, man. I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet. Did you see the story? We can bring this up. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but in yeah. Russia, did you see? No. It was a, a pedophile. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, a pedophile. <laughs> so this, this Wait, pedophile, like pedophile no, what happened oh, okay. is the guy who killed the pedophile, I should yeah. be clear. This guy killed a pedophile who was interested, I believe, in his daughter. Yeah. And the pedophile, they ruled that it was a suicide with the pedophile digging his own grave and stabbing himself 38 times. Ruled <laughs> <laughs> that pedophiles, when they kill themselves, dig own grave, stab themselves exclusively in back and cut off balls. This uh, is standard pedophile suicide case. I got my hands on tight.
right, I think we're ready to go. This is Lou Benninger. You're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode number 229, to appear on August 19, 2023. Welcome. We're going to be here for six 20-minute segments with uh, some clips in between. Uh, you can reach me at 530-713-1838, 713-1838. You can also uh, email me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. That's connected to a website called nohostagesradio.com where you could listen to other podcasts or re-listen to this at some time in the future or read some of my articles. So we also do a live show on KMYC 1410 AM up here in Yuba County, California. On the left coast, the state is di- taking a dive. Some people think it's going to fall off into the ocean, but it's certainly taking a major dive. So um, we do a live show on Saturday morning about the same time that this show pops up on a podcast. And you can uh, also uh, check that out by going to the website, nohostagesradio.com, and in, there's a listen live button. And you could click on that, and that should give you the live broadcast if you're listening between 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, left coast time, and 1 p.m. in the afternoon. You can listen to us. But I'm sure you've got a lot of other cool things to do that time of the day. And I do too, but we just ended up that, that slot, so there we are. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate you being with us, and we hope things go smoothly tonight i'm up in the middle of the night it we are in a heat wave i didn't even remember it being announced and all of a sudden it just got funky hot up here so i'm just amazed that these computers can run when it's just smoking hot on them but that's uh we're just gotta keep our fingers crossed you know that old concept hold your tongue right and keep your fingers crossed so uh This lady says, my name is Alice Smith, and I was sitting in the waiting room for my first appointment with a new dentist. I noticed a DDS diploma, which showed his full name. Suddenly, I remembered a tall, handsome, dark-haired boy with the same name who had been in my high school class some 40-odd years before. Could this be the same guy that I had a secret crush on way back then? Upon seeing him, however, I quickly discarded any such thought. This balding, gray-haired man with a deep-lined face was way too old to have been a classmate of mine. After he examined my teeth, I asked him if he had attended Morgan Park High School. Yes, yes, I did. I'm a Mustang, he beamed with pride. When did you graduate, I asked. He answered, in 1959. Why do you ask? Well, you were in my class, I exclaimed. He then looked at me closely. Then that ugly, old, bald, wrinkled, fat, gray, decrepit son of a gun asked, What class did you teach? Have you had that experience? Have you got any years on you? Maybe if you're just a youngster, you just don't even get that. But many people... Many people should have that experience, I'm telling you. So I used to uh, travel. Uh, I still travel some, but I'd go to foreign countries. I've been to a lot of the countries that we would consider third world or communist countries. And uh, 
I would come back home not thinking we're better than them ever, but just thinking, wow, um, I appreciate uh, the United States, and I, I thought many of the institutions were honest and institutions of integrity and and that there wasn't corruption and the elections were were legal. And <clears throat> over the last several years, even before COVID, I came to the realization that we had a lot of problems in America. And uh, we were acting more and more like a third world country where dictators reign and political parties shoot opponents or arrest them. And uh, so someone sent me this meme the other day. It said, leaders who have their political opponent arrested. And one of the pictures is Adolf Hitler, the leader of the Nazis in Germany. The other photo is of Joseph Stalin, who was the president of, of a Soviet Socialist Republic, USSR, during the war. World War II. And then there's Mao, Mao Zedong, who took over uh, the entire nation of China and then uh, forced the ru rulers out of there and made it communist. These are all three communists or Nazis. And the fourth picture in this, uh, basically it's a square, four photos, is Joe Biden. And maybe you've gotten caught up into publicity and all the, the news and, and uh, the flare-ups about Trump being arrested multiple times now. But this is nothing new in, in the rest of the world. It's just the first time. That's why it stands out so much to me. Not because even if they were arresting another opponent that wasn't uh, uh, one that I hope to get reelected, maybe it's an opponent of his, I just think there's something wrong with that. There's something corrupt about that. And uh, remember when Nelson Mandela was arrested and put in jail for 25 years and ended up being released from jail eventually and became the president of South Africa. Remember that? Well, we're in real trouble in this country, <clears throat> and we now have sunk to the lowest of the lows in reflecting so many of the qualities and traits of a third world dictatorship or what they call a banana republic. There, there uh, was a movie made a few years ago. Maybe it's a lot of years ago. I always watch movies. I come across a movie, and it's been out for 10 or 15 years. I thought, where was I? Was I, was I Rip Van Winkle asleep when this happened? So there was a movie made with Tom Cruise in it called American Made. It's a movie about Barry, the story of Barry Seal, S-E-A-L, who started out as a trans world airline, TWA <clears throat> pilot, flying uh, passengers around the world, and then ended up <clears throat> flying some drugs, leaving the airline, the commercial airline business, and flying marijuana and then eventually cocaine and, and military weapons for the CIA. And uh, sorry, just drinking some cold tea, trying to get chilled here. So Barry Seal was a very good pilot and began flying for the CIA. You think, what is CIA? What, what were they doing? Well, several things came together back in 
when I was, I don't know, I was in my 30s or whatever, Ronald Reagan was president, and there was a battle going on in Nicaragua between the Sandinistas and the Contras. And the United States was had military people down there, and they were trying to help the Contras prevail. Well, the CIA was down there trying to make that happen, and so they came. Some of them came up with this idea of uh, we need weapons down here. So they were flying these weapons down in a private airplane with a pilot they were paying off. And then when the guy returned, when Barry Seal returned to America, they were loading up his plane with cocaine, and he was flying into Mena, Arkansas Airport, where he claimed he could never get caught there. That means it was impossible for him uh, to be apprehended there because of where it was and who his friend was. His friend was Bill Clinton, the governor of Georgia, excuse me, Arkansas, and he was paying him lots of money to fly in there and offload the uh, cocaine. Barry Seal eventually was caught and uh, brought before uh, the courts in the United States and, and uh, gave a lot of states evidence and ended up being on parole, but was kind of exposed by the judge and uh, the cartel killed him. I bring that up because... Uh, there's a guy pitching a book right now. His name's Roger Reeves, R-E-A-V-E-S. He's a very well-spoken gentleman. He spent over 30 years in prison. He was flying, used to be a firefighter down in Southern California. And then he uh, was uh, solicited to fly some marijuana into, into California. He did that a few times. And then he... Um, started flying cocaine and he actually met up with Barry Seal in a serendipitous fashion uh, when they were both flying back from Honduras and they decided to work together. So Barry worked for Roger. Roger survived, though it was in prison. And uh, But the interesting thing of it was during that time, there was a huge, just in the 1980s and 90s, there was a huge expansion of the use of cocaine and they, it was in a certain uh, manner. It was used, as they called it crack cocaine or crack. And they used to call addicts crack addicts. And it was, uh, it was really prevailed in the black community. In the black community, I remember hearing years and years ago, they would say that the CIA is delivering crack, co is delivering cocaine into these communities and people are making crack cocaine out of it and smoking it. And it's causing a lot of healthy health havoc in the black community, destroying the black communities. And so they were blaming the CIA operatives to destroying the black communities. Well, it's very interesting. I thought, Oh, that's totally ridiculous. The CIA would never do anything like that back in my naive days. So recently I ran across a story about Gary Webb, and Gary Webb was a writer, and he wrote for a newspaper down in the Central Valley area of California. In 1996, Gary Webb wrote a book called Dark Alliance and exposed how the CIA hired dealer Danilo Blandone and other drug traffickers to sell massive amounts of cocaine in the United States in order to raise 
untraceable funds to finance a terrorist organization known as the Contras, who were trying to overthrow the Nicaraguan government. These massive shipments of cocaine ultimately sparked the crack epidemic that decimated the inner cities during the 1990s. As a result, mainstream media. Now listen to this. Do you understand me so far? Are you following it? Well, this is the this is the interesting thing. The mainstream media vilified or attacked Gary Webb. Now I wonder why they would do that. You know, now we know that the CIA and the other spook organizations like the FBI pay the media to say certain things, talk about certain agendas in a certain way or certain media events in a certain way, protecting the CIA and the FBI. So all of a sudden, you would think that the government would be in favor of an exposing of bringing shipments of cocaine, destroying the lives of black people, wouldn't you? Well, as a result of of this book that uh, Gary Webb wrote, Dark Alliance, uh, the mainstream media vilified Gary Webb and destroyed his career, which also destroyed his marriage. Gary refused to back down, and in 2004, he was found with two bullet wounds to his head, and his death was ruled a suicide. Don't you think that's interesting? So lots of problems. You think, oh, that it's pretty exciting, flying drugs into the United States. Roger Rees, Barry Seal. One of them gets killed by the cartel. Roger Rees does over 30 years in prison in about seven different countries. Boy, they made a lot of money, though. Wow. Both of them had families. Gary Webb had a family at one time. Shot twice in the head. I guess you, if you're going to take your own life, shoot yourself. It's, it's one poised dude that can shoot himself twice. Shoot yourself once and had the, the composure and the strength to shoot yourself a second time. But that's Gary Webb, and he confirmed, and those rumors that I heard way back in yesteryear were actually true, and I discounted them thinking it was just trash talk out there. So that's Gary Webb, and uh, today it, I'm recording this on the 16th of August, so it will, will appear on the uh, 19th of August, I think. And this is a day, it's an anniversary of sorrow for a lady in the Yuba City area of California named Sarah Matthews Easton. She was raised, Sarah Matthews, in a uh, Mormon home, a good Mormon home. In other words, it was stable. The parents stayed together. The kids loved each other, the siblings. She was the only girl in the family, and she she married young. She's kind of a wild thing. She married a guy named Aaron Easton and became Sarah Matthews Easton. And Aaron Easton was a uh, troubled fellow, but a bright guy. And he became a police officer and worked for the sheriff's department in Yuba County. He had a reputation, as it later came up, of taking girls during his shift and having sex with them on his shift. And uh, years later, a gal would bring his name up in a... Uh, interview in the Sacramento County Jail because she'd claimed she was sexually harassed by one of the uh, guards 
And the question was, have you ever had this happen to you before? And she said, yeah, a uh, sheriff's officer in Yuba County had forced me to have oral sex with him while I was riding with him in a car as a police cadet. And so uh, Aaron Easton had a lot of sexual issues in his history. There was rumors of him having uh, swinger parties and having multiple partners and have, being unfaithful to those women that he was with. He was un, so unfaithful to Sarah, she never wanted to be very far from him. Like when he'd go on a trip or a conference or something, she'd want to go with him, even though they had three kids at home. So uh, Sarah, actually, though she was faithful to her husband, ended up with a venereal disease from her husband. You can think that through for yourself. He liked to have kinky sex, put her head in a plastic bag, tie it off, that kind of thing. She told her mother she was really afraid of what was going to happen to her because things were getting worse in their, their sexual relationship. She went to dinner one night with them on her birthday, and when in the middle of the morning, early morning hours, after they came home from the, having a birthday dinner for her, it was a shot, a gunshot or so. I say or so. Some people think they heard two. It was a gunshot in their home. The kids were in, in bed. Everybody was home, all the three kids, and then Aaron and Sarah. And this is early, very early morning hours, and she ended up... <clears throat> being shot in the head and uh, so 911 was called and Aaron messed around with the scene he 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 handled the gun that supposedly she shot herself with and claimed he yes he handled it because he cleared the gun in other words he removed the remainder remaining cartridges from the gun anyway long story short uh, she died. She had a, a little bit of life left in her, hauled her to the hospital. She was pronounced dead, and uh, they buried her. She's hardly in the ground when the husband had a different girlfriend and was ended up eventually marrying her and moved out of state. Uh, he resigned his job as police chief uh, because of the, uh, not because of he shot his wife, maybe, but because of the cadet that uh, that showed up and uh, mentioned to some investigators that this guy named Aaron Easton had forced her to have sex with him. He, re he, uh, he quit his job at Marysville under pressure, and they left the area. The question is, is, you know, that, that why after eight years nobody has actually prosecuted this guy? The rumors were, and back then I was involved in writing articles for the Territorial Dispatch and wrote a number of articles about swingers, in other words, multiple partners in Sutter County government, including the Sheriff's Department and the District Attorney's Office and other offices. And when this happened with Sarah, a close, very close friend of theirs from the past, uh, happened to be the District Attorney of Sutter County, which obviously meant she couldn't prosecute this crime. And there's some indication that even 
her partner uh, actually participated in some of these uh, eccentric sexual activities. We'll be right back. President of Hungary, Viktor Orban, was asked, what's up with Joe Biden? Why does he have dementia? And why does he wear a diaper? And his answer was, perfect. What is wrong with Joe Biden? Well, it's not, it's, it's not my job to criticize the head of the United States, you know. It's, it's not a good business idea, anyway. Uh, so... But you, would rather, but, you would certain, but you would rather there was a no, different... No, 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 you would rather there was a different leader I, of the no, United I would, States? I would, I would rather say that, uh, you know, the American Democrats are far more ideologically led than the Republicans. And the Democrats always like to convince you and sometimes force you how to live, you know? And I don't like it, you know? We have our own culture. The culture defines how we live. Don't interfere, please. Don't educate us. Don't say what is good, what is bad, what is liberal. You know, we don't like that. It's not your job. But it's is... not the job of the Americans and any other nation. It's the Hungarian job. That's, that's so simple. But there is... Donald Trump understands it. That's important. California has long bragged about its COVID response, but a report from the University of Toronto talking about downtown recovery ratings says the following here, quoting, when comparing unique mobile phone data across 52 cities in the U.S. and Canada to find how many unique visitors were in the area, San Francisco only recorded 32% as much foot traffic in spring of 2023 than during the same time in 2019, which, by the way, Carl, puts them dead last. Oh, but the rest of the state did fantastic. Oh, that's right. Dead last 63 out of 63. But Trace, remember just a few months ago, you and I were talking about Gavin Newsom defending San Francisco, saying, oh, mm -hmm. they're really not having problems. It's just uh, a, a, a generational shift in how we work. That that is absolutely disproven with the data that was released in this study. What it shows is that San Francisco has a problem unique to San Francisco, and that is that it has decided to put the interest of criminals and the homeless and all sorts of other uh, groups over people who simply want to uh, thrive and, and, and achieve prosperity and live in a, in a quality community. San Francisco is dying, and it doesn't seem that the governor or the mayor or anyone yeah. in between are interested in doing anything about it. Yeah, really, one of the prettiest cities in the country, and it is right now very, very hard times up there. Finally, the L.A. Times writes the following headline, quoting here, remote work gave them a reprieve from racism. They don't want to go back. L.A. Times is saying <laughs> that black people should stay remote and that white people should show up for work. It's, it's amazing to me that, that they would actually put this in the newspaper. Oh, no, no. The L.A. Times always goes to racism when they want to justify something that they want, an extremist policy. So why not use racism to give a justification for why you don't want to show up to work? Uh, and so what we're seeing here is obviously people, a lot of people want to work remotely. There's there's no you know mystery there. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of employers say you got to show up to work. And so now I guess what uh, some are trying to suggest is that it would be racist to ask people to show up to work. Well, then I guess uh, it would be racist to send you a check as well for not yeah. showing up to work. Look, it's, it's time for folks to be adults. Not everything is racism. Not everything is homophobic. Mm -hmm. Homophobia or bigotry. Sometimes life is life, and you got to show up for work.
Yeah, it is the epitome of discrimination to say that some people need to stay home and some people can come into work. Carl DeMaio, great to have you on as always. Thank you, sir. Time to be alert again. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. Please oppose these anti-parent bills on the California State Senate floor. AB 957 would instruct family court judges to disfavor parents who object to their child, quote, transitioning and who don't, quote, affirm their sexual delusion. Bottom line, support the biological truth and get your children taken from you. Another evil bill, AB 665, would eliminate existing parental consent before kids can be taken away to a residential shelter for, quote, mental health treatment. Under AB 665, 12-year-olds can declare emancipation for any reason. The legislature is back for a final month of voting. Take action today at SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. My boy, they all went to Christian school, and they would teach my children about intentional dating. I never heard of that. I dated anybody that bought me a hamburger. When your baby is If you're like me and you like to do yard work or you like to go do things and use power tools or power devices and it doesn't work, it's always frustrating. So Will Farrell, excuse me, Will Fanning with All Power Services at 1469 Stewart Road asks you to call him or text him and bring your equipment out so you, he can take the stress out of your life. He can fix all your power tools small tools like electrical powered gas powered like chainsaws weed eaters things like that lawnmowers small tractors pressure washers all those kind of things they're very good at and they could put those things right back into your hands so you can go enjoy your life get your jobs done make some money and go on about your life so dial up will fanning at 530-844-0347 Eight four four zero three four seven, and uh, you will be a happy camper. Also, if your car's been in a fight, or it just needs a paint job, maybe you dinged it, maybe it's got some rust started somehow, or somebody bumped it and then drove drove off, didn't tell you. You can go where I go, Allen's Auto Body in Yuba City at Tea Garden and Sutter Street. It's the bright yellow building, and you can deal with the. Uh, all the workers there are called Clarks, Kevin, Carrie, and Sons, all Clarks. And they will fix you up. You can drive in there Monday through Friday, or you could call them up and make an appointment, 530-671-1057. They'll give you an idea of what it's going to cost to get you looking like showroom. So I was talking about Sarah Easton, Sarah Matthews Easton. So eight years ago on this date that I'm doing this broadcast was shot in the head. The question is, 
How come they haven't resolved it? How come they're just leaving it hanging? It was transferred to the attorney general's office because a girl that, that um, Sarah used to really be close to and then was embittered towards before she died turned out to be the district attorney of Sutter County. Her name is Amanda Hopper, and she was married at one time before this all blew up with uh, Sarah. She was married to a guy named Brian Hopper. And so people have talked that there was some, as I know, that there was people have told me names and places, people that were involved in these situations with the Sutter County Sheriff's Department and with the DA's office and, and other offices, animal control, things like that. There were people uh, just hooking up back then and even having multiple partners and even having watching their daughter, uh, their uh, foster daughter or their adopted daughter underage have sex. It was just a, it was just a real low time morally in Sutter County. But people think maybe there's just too many skeletons that are going to be stirred up by actually taking this to court and start deposing people and contacting people. But so for eight years, the Matthews family have suffered believing that the ex-husband of their sister and daughter murdered her. And yet no... No response from, from the police. Oh, it's an open case. Never, they can't talk about anything because it's an open case. It's an open case. Very interesting. You know there's a passage in the Bible, probably most wouldn't want to quote this passage, but talks about in the camp of Israel, when they found somebody dead, and usually there was always consequences when somebody died. There was a prescription, just like there is in our law. There was a prescription on how you got, had to go about dealing with a situation when somebody died. Did, did somebody kill them? Did somebody get in a fight with them and accidentally kill them? What is it just, maybe it was just a complete accident. And, they, and um, you know, there's all kinds of ways people get killed. But when they found a dead body... And nobody could be determined how that person killed, was killed. The priests needed to go out. And they needed to pray to God to not hold the blood of that person that died against them as a, as a village, as a camp, as a tribe. In other words, you just didn't let things go like we're, we've had our uh, supposedly our leaders in Sutter County and Yuba City They've just let things go and they just ignored it. And they just, you know, and, and so there's just this mystery surrounding it. Well, who exactly is doing it? Kamala Harris, who most of you should realize by now, unless you're just a totally blinded and deceived Democrat, Kamala Harris is about as incompetent of a person I've ever met or ever witnessed. I've never met her. But she was the attorney general at this time. And I would love to find somebody inside the attorney general's office that would actually explain what in the world went on down there. What happened? Because nobody is going to, de- they're, gonna they're not going to touch his death. And I just think, what did Aaron Easton have on everybody? Aaron Easton must have a lot of bad juju 
on the people and the system that is all going to come out if he goes down. Well, I feel bad for for Sarah Easton. She seemed like a very, I never met her, saw her from afar. And I've talked to her mama and her brothers, and they're nice people. Her, her dad just died recently. And I just say they, I think, if not all of them, most of them have all left California, and I just couldn't take it around here anymore. That's the way it is when you feel like you've been dr- done wrong by the community. It's one thing to have your daughter murdered. It's another thing to feel like the community disrespected and d- did not show any righteousness towards you. So Aaron Easton's life goes on. Now with the woman he was having an affair with, Chanel Easton, um, they now are together over in Oklahoma. And Chanel now has a court case where she has been accused of embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars as a church secretary in Yuba City. Doesn't that sound odd to you? A woman who works for a church is hooked up with a guy that murders his wife and is a serial sex addict. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, I'm going to move on. There's lots of other things to talk about. I saw this thing that uh, Ben Shapiro, I don't listen to Ben a lot. He talks too fast for me, isn't that? uh, I don't know whether I'm just getting old. I can't listen that fast. Oh, Ben, he just talks so fast. But he writes at a normal pace. So he said, undergirding the concept of niceness is kindness. But kindness and niceness are not the same thing. Have you ever thought about that? Being nice to someone means you are inoffensive to them. In other words, you don't piss them off. Being kind means you're looking out for them. That's a different word, huh? It means you're going to tell them something that they possibly don't want to hear if you're kind. If you have a friend who is a drug abuser and you simply say, dude, you do you, that may be nice, but it's not kind. If you have a child who regularly does bad things and you let them get away with it, that may be nice, but it's not kind. Kindness is undergirded by a belief in some sort of higher good. Kindness means you have to use some judgment. You have to be judgmental. You have to know that Not being a drug addict is actually morally preferable to being a drug addict. You have to say that certain behavior is better than other behavior. It is an act of kindness to chide your fellow man when he goes astray. Bible says iron sharpens iron. But niceness says that is mean. Niceness said you should not do that. When you have an entire moral system that is based not on kindness, but on niceness. And when you wipe away the moral framework, all you have left is some niceness. Of course, niceness is going to fall apart because what ends up happening is that people take advantage of niceness. Niceness lasts only so long as someone's fist doesn't touch your face. That doesn't last very long. It turns out that when you don't have a shared moral framework in society... Kindness devolves into niceness, and niceness gets taken advantage of by people who don't care about you at all. The people who actually don't abide by niceness are the beneficiaries. 
You know what I noticed today? I, we had a meeting. Oh, oh, I want to mention this to you. Uh, we had Dr. Doug Frank. He's an amazing guy, super, a super scientist, a, you know, a physicist. And he's invented all kinds of things for the military, for private business. He's worked in the lab for 40 years. He taught at a, a school just for gifted kids and taught math. And um, when the election had problems with it, when people, many people didn't believe it was a legal election, that people thought the computers stole votes from one candidate, give them to another. He was called by legislators who knew of his reputation as a brainiac. And he was called to uh, one of the first ones, states, is Pennsylvania to examine their election results and their machines. He found them to be corrupt. The 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 uh, Pennsylvania legislature couldn't handle that news, although they understood how corrupt they were and that the election was stolen in Pennsylvania. But they were so bought out by people, other people, and they people had something on somebody and they wouldn't tell the public the truth. Well, he was in town. Doug Frank was in town over the weekend here a while back. 10 days ago. And um, he, we videoed him on August 6th, do a two hour talk on how the elections were stolen. It's a very interesting talk, but you don't have to even come to the, you didn't have to, to come to the meeting, fly here or do anything. You can watch it on our website called freedomco.net, all one word, freedomco. Dot net. One more time, freedomco.net. And then if you go to the home page there, which has a lot of cool videos on it, and you just go up under issues and you look for voter integrity, click on that. It'll take you back and you can, there's some slides from him and there's, there's a variety of things. And then it, it, it has a video. It's a very good video. And I just want to encourage you, if you have any questions about the election, it, the veracity or the honesty of the election. And maybe you've been told by CNN and all those mainline uh, media people that this is a really righteous election in 2020. And uh, it wasn't. It just wasn't. And the fact that judges wouldn't hear Trump's case just means they were crooked judges. They had the evidence. But today I was sent by a couple friends, both of them sent this August 14th, article appearing in the gateway pundit not the but gateway common spelling pundit p-u-n-d-i-t august 14th gateway pundit says report engineers discover nationwide cellular network can connects election equipment and gives federal government access to election systems at the precinct level that means that they have control over all the votes as they're being tabulated and can monkey with them wherever they are. Now, if you just want to say, oh, I don't believe that, without even reading the article, uh, you shouldn't even be listening to this show. So you can look this up. It's August 14th, 2023, Gateway Pundit, <clears throat> with a long, with a very long title. And it's got a very interesting two. These are two scientists, two engineers. I think one male, one female. 
and they figured the whole thing out. Sophie Anderson, an election integrity investigator, and a communications engineer, Dr. Charles Bernardin. They uncovered the mechanism that is being used to connect our election equipment at polling places across the United States. They met while working together in several overlapping election integrity efforts after submitting a countless number of public documents requests for multiple federal, state, and local governments and working with other grassroots researchers. The team realized that the federal government has indeed created a nationwide network that is capable of collecting and changing real-time voting data at polling places across the country from a central location. Well, Shazam, Shazam, the private network tool is called FirstNet, and like so many things that have proven detrimental to American liberty, it was sold as a tool to ensure public safety. It started out as a way, once if the phone lines got all botched up during a national emergency or a, or a regional emergency, they emergency workers could switch to FirstNet to keep communicating to save lives and save property. But it was so effective at connecting everything together, they, could all, they connected it um, to the election system. And that is the beginning of a story that is a mind blower. And I'm just encouraging you, if you're serious about this, you can read all about it. Now, this article, I, I think, will be posted on the freedomco.net website. But on that website is where you're going to see a two-hour talk and you think, two hours? Well, you watch movies all the time that are two hours, and you really don't end up being smarter. This is going to be a very interesting and enter entertaining talk by Doug Frank, and you will be, you will be much, much smarter and informed by, by listening to it or watching it. So that's freedomco.net. Go to Issues. Scroll down to voter integrity and then uh, jump on it and uh, you will you will uh, be, get your mind blown as Doug Frank says and I'm a firm believer in it whoever uh, your liberty must have a secure ballot box to have liberty you have to have a secure ballot box if you lose the ballot box like in many other countries you have no liberty so I, the other day when I was with Doug Frank, I was having lunch or dinner or something with a few people and Doug Frank, I texted my friend uh, in Vietnam who I've worked with for about 30 years, helping the persecuted people of Vietnam. They're communists there. And I asked him, I won't mention his name, but I asked him, do you have elections in Vietnam? Because I don't remember any. I've been there many, many times. Can't remember how many times, sometimes two or three times a year, and I never remember being there during electoral time. He said, Well, Lou, there's elections, but it really doesn't decide anything. They already had their mind made up. So the deal was, the fix was in, as they say. Used to happen in the Soviet Union the same way before the breakup of the Soviet Union. So I'm just giving you a tip to go there and check it out. And uh, I think you'll find it very interesting, and you'll, you'll be one of the smarter guys in town regarding the elections. So um, if you have an addiction problem and you need some help and you, you want some help, and I know there's times when you don't want help, you just like getting high, that's fine. 
That's freedom in this country. You can get high as you want. And, uh, but if you want help, you want to get off drugs, you want to get off marijuana, you want to get off heroin, fentanyl, trank, uh, you want to get off meth, uh, Dr. Joe Cassidy and I will help you. I'm not a doctor, but I help him help people. So he works over at Peachtree Health, and so you can make an appointment with him and go in and get a checkup, and then he will look over, talk to you about your drug habits, and help you with a plan to uh, get free and get healthy. So you can call Peachtree at 530-749-3242. Again, 749-3242. It's not the easiest way to get in and get, get an appointment. Sometimes you have to wait on the line. So if that happens, you get frustrated, call Doc straight away. You just text him during the day, not call at night, not text at night, but text during the day, 530-682-8648. Very simple, 682-8648. And just put in your name, addiction, and then the word addiction and your phone number, and we're good to go. If the whole thing is too complicated for you and you want something simpler, I'm simple. You can dial me up and you could just... Uh, Text me or you could call me any day of the week, any night or day, and you can, uh, we'll talk and I'll, and I'll make the connections for you. Okay. 530-713-1838. Now don't have your girlfriend call or your boyfriend call. Don't have your mama call, or your dad call, or your uncle call, or your friend call. If you're the addict, I want to talk to you. Okay. 530-713-1838. We'll be right back. And we got our third segment coming up. about on your show is your allegation that government officials are aiding in pedophilia, child trafficking, and the grooming of children, right? You mean like what Jeffrey Epstein did with the Clintons? Shall we forgive and forget? Absolutely not. I'm full of vengeance. I am vengeful. It, it's not a time to say I'm sorry. It's a time to put these bastards in jail. I'm calling it the big kill. We've seen the biggest kill ever in medicine's history, directly because of the intervention of these idiots into healthcare. And it's the physicians, it's not just the politicians, it's the physicians themselves who are principally culpable because they have allowed government's jackboots to influence how they manage their patients, which has never, ever happened before. First, do no harm and informed consent. The physicians have, have looked in, how can you do this? How can you look into the eyes of a pregnant woman and tell her that this experimental product is safe? 
How can you do that as a, as a physician? No, anyone, any physician that has done that should be in jail. What's happening with actual investigations into seeing if there are any vaccine-related deaths here in sure. Canada? Yeah, typically sad, sudden adult death syndrome. I, I used to do forensic pathology years ago, and it was highly unusual not to have a cause of death when the you know sometimes you had to wait for the toxicology to come back but it, it it was very 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 unusual to say i don't know what why this person died sudden adult death syndrome is now the commonest cause of death in alberta on a death certificate now i can tell you as a pathologist there are ways well known in the literature of determining if the heart has been attacked by either the spike protein itself from the vaccine or alternatively the virus itself. There are well-described methods of doing that. And so I actually called the number two guy in Ontario, number two forensic pathologist in Ontario. I don't want to name him. And I said, look, what's going on? Did you, did you stain? these tissues for these two very special things that distinguish spike protein attack from viral attack he said no i said well what do you mean he said well well we don't do it i, I believe it's available as a research project in certain academic institutions but we don't do it are you kidding me the number two guy in ontario knows that this stuff is available and is choosing not to bring it into operation in his laboratory, knowing full well how important that information is. And of course, the subtext is how devastating it would be for his political masters to be to, for these cases to be identified as related to the injection. Right. There's only one place in North America that's doing it. That's Ryan Cole in Idaho. He's doing the, the spike protein. Uh, test, but he's not doing the what we call it the nucleocapsid, the, the protein on the virus itself. He's developing that, but he's the only place in North America for something that's now sudden adult death syndrome, unexplained, with a temporal relationship to getting a gene therapy injection, with methods known to dissect out what actually happened. They just don't want to know. They're hiding. They should be encouraging autopsies. That's not being done either. I'm Dr. Roger Hodgkinson, a freedom-loving pathologist from Canada. Believe nothing you are being told. It's all been a pack of lies from start to finish. Pure propaganda. This is nothing more than a bad seasonal flu with slightly increased risk for older people with comorbidities. My second message is that more than anything, this is a pandemic of fear. Fear that was intentionally driven by two major factors the notorious PCR test, and the viciously effective silencing of any counter-narrative. The PCR test creates over 95% false positives in perfectly well people and drives the graphs in the morning paper where these false positives are called cases. They're no such thing. You are being lied to. One of the big pieces of news over the last uh, couple of days has been um, a, um, a, a substack by a gentleman called uh, Peter... Uh, Halligan, Peter Halligan, has been looking, uh, he, he's a most experienced uh, analyst, ex-financial uh, in, uh, industry, 
extremely used to looking at statistics and um, translating them into a summary statement. And this is the summary statement. And I hope your leaders are, are sitting down, holding themselves, because what I'm going to tell you intuitively sounds ridiculous. That's why it's so incredibly important that I say this. These numbers are best estimates at this point in time using government data for the global consequences of the clock shot in terms of death and morbidity, otherwise known as serious adverse events such as heart attack, strokes, pulmonary, pulmonary emboli, etc. We've been focusing for good reason on North American statistics during the last two and a half years. But this man has extrapolated that into the total effect, negative effect, of the clock shot. And these are the numbers. Deaths, global deaths, directly attributable to the vaccine, 20 million, two zero million deaths due to the clot shot. And two billion, big B, two billion serious adverse reactions of the type I described. Now, these numbers are beyond staggering. They, to, to contrast that with history, um, vaccines have typically been pulled from the market when the last one, the, the birth flu vaccine, was pulled with only 35, three, five deaths. I hope people can appreciate the scale of what is going on here an unimaginable carnage, which isn't over, because that number, first of all, is the current estimate. It does not include future deaths of a similar type, which will be cumulative on top of that. It does not include stillbirths. It does not include those avoidable deaths due to having had a one disease healthcare system for two and a half years with people not being treated or investigated for cancer or treated for, for cancer, for example. Those numbers are not included. The numbers from the lockdowns, the suicides, are not included. And also not included are the future deaths that we're anticipating from a rapid increase in the rate of cancer uh, presentations and uh, fatal infections because of immune suppression induced by the clot shot. Those factors are in addition to those jaw-dropping numbers that I just mentioned. If you need some plumbing help, you can't figure it out yourself. I know sometimes you get a few tips, you can solve it, and that's good. Save some money. Beautiful. But if you need something done right away, you want quick service, and you want it done right, or 
the the guy that repairs or the girl that repairs your stuff's gone, one of your roommates or your partner, you can reach out to Thrifty Rooter, and you can do it two ways. You can call them on a landline that's 530-673-8201. 530-673-8201. Dispatchers are waiting there for your call. Or you could go on their website at thriftyrooter.net. It's a nice website, very simple. And you, they have a list of all the things that they do. You might think, ah, I know they probably do this and this, but I don't know why they do this. So go over there and look, and then you could send them a message without even dialing them up. You just type in your message, and you can, you can check what you need done. There's little boxes. If you know, put in your name, your phone number, and just send it off, and you're in business. Thriftyrooter.net. These guys, we're up in a kind of a, a rural area. A lot of our homes have septic tanks. They, they're not on the city municipal sewer system. So it gets complicated sometimes. You have to have different things to work on septic tanks as you do just a drain line. Thrifty Rooter has all that dialed in. They work over several counties up in this Northern California area. So... Give them a call, Thrifty Rooter, 530-673-8201, and uh, they'll, they'll handle their job, and they'll do it with kindness, honesty, and they'll get it done fast for you. Well, let's get back down to business here. And um, I told you, I want, I want to remind you again of the Freedom Code. It's a Freedom Coalition network. It's here in Yuba Sutter County, so, but they're up and down the state now. The website's freedomco.net, and it's it's like a a, a, mag, a a website that like a news magazine. So every day we're posting on there. So there's fresh stuff. It's not like a website. If you saw it in October of last year, it's the same in October of this year. It's not like that. So I want to encourage you to go there, and and that will help you keep up with what's going on in a variety of topics. That are, that are happening, whether it's COVID, whether it's at, what to do after taking the jab, whether it's election integrity, whether it's education issues, whether it's exemption from the mandates, all that kind of stuff that can really help you out and also give you some follow-up numbers if you need more help. You can't do it after you look there, but there's a lot of great information there. So uh, just looking for... Uh, I'm looking for this is uh I don't know if there's anybody in the world, at least the Western world, that isn't shocked by what's happening in Hawaii, right? You've been around some disasters? They're comparing the Hawaii disaster to a town near me called Paradise. They they keep saying Paradise Valley. It's not Paradise Valley, it's Paradise. Paradise burned down the entire town and if it wasn't done by these energy uh, shots from uh, above they now have these instead of dropping a bomb they could just hit you with a shock of energy and blow up your house the military military so some people think something like that happened in paradise which is just about 30 minutes from here other people just think it's the poor forestry management practices of Gavin Newsom, where they've allowed the forestries to over the forest to overgrow, not thinning the trees, not cleaning out the thatch 
at the bottom. So once the fire gets started, no one can stop it. So in paradise, 50,000 people were displaced. Not temporary. They never could go back there, basically. Did they own the property there? Yep. But all the, all the houses burned, with few exceptions. 50,000 people had to go find housing elsewhere in other cities. That is huge. I mentioned last week at the very end of the show that there were, out of the 58 counties of California, 10 are, are fastest shrinking population-wise. And those are all counties. They're large counties. They might have 1,000 square miles in the county or 1,500 square miles, big size counties, but sparsely populated. They're up here in Northern California. They're beautiful counties. They're, they're counties where people used to run cattle and they used to harvest timber and they used to mine for precious minerals. But environmentalists have shut that all down. They shut down the, the spotted owl, which uh, they shut down the uh, timber industry. People literally lost everything they had. They had to move out of the area. They, they had businesses harvesting timber. And working as a byproduct of timber industry. The, the spotted owl was said that we were destroying its habitat. So it was going to die. That was a lie. It was either an intentional lie or they were so stupid that they didn't know really what was wrong with the spotted owl. It, it didn't have anything to do with timber or timber harvesting or people. It had to do with a cousin of, of the, the uh, spotted owl called the bard owl. B-A-R-D. And that owl would would uh, cannibalize. It would come and ruin, eat the chicks or damage the eggs of the spotted owl. Be that as it may, let me ask you this. When the environmentalists don't want anybody co to go in the forest and they don't want anybody to harvest or trim the forest or clean up the forest or remove the thatch, to save the flora and fauna, what happens when it catches fire and everything is burned beyond recognition? Every bug, every snake, every rabbit, every rat, every mouse, every chipmunk, every fox, every deer, millions and millions of creatures that they talk about, well, we're really concerned about the extinction of that animal. Those animals would never have died except for the bad forest practices of the liberals. So what happened to the spotted owl when forest fires came through because nobody maintained the forest? The timber wasn't thinned. The thatch was not removed from the ground floor. And so we had a Holocaust fire. Think about that. The next time you think that environmentalists really want a pristine environment, just shake your head and just say, that ain't true. That is not true. So this person in Oahu wrote this. It just reported from a whistleblower. This is a whistleblower now. This isn't just a confused, traumatized former resident of La Hyena. 
Just reported from a whistleblower. He said, what you're not hearing from our local government. I just got out of a meeting where I was informed by someone in the mayor's office about developments that are being kept from the public. That's a bad sign right there, people, when you have developments that are being kept from the public. That just, is that a red flag for you? It's a big red flag for me. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, this whistleblower said. I don't want to make trouble, but here's what I heard. The amount of fatalities expected to be more than 500, but less than 1,000. I've, I've heard this before from witnesses. Many of the fatalities will be children who were at home because they canceled school. Parents worked and were not there to evacuate the kids. Kids have no idea they needed, kids had no idea they needed to leave. And by the time they noticed their homes or apartments were on fire, it was far too late. The government is worried about how we will react when we learn that the fire department left the fire earlier in the day. I want you to Sometimes they're ordered to do things like that. Let me say this again. The government is worried about how people will react when we learn that the fire department left the fire earlier in the day and claimed it was 100% contained, knowing that the winds were expected to be 70 miles per hour by afternoon. This is against all fire control protocols, according to this guy talking. He goes on to say the fire department should not have left the original fire unattended. We call that rekindling when they think they have it done and they leave the fire instead of it's happened many times when I was a chaplain for the fire department. They leave the fire too soon instead of usually they stand by with an engine by by the fire all night, all day, with a firefighter or two just watching the fire, making sure it doesn't rekindle because of the wind or whatever, whatever. He said that the fire department should not have left the fire unattended. They are scared that the public calls for accountability will be more than they can control and protests and riots will occur. They plan to lock down La Hyena for several months. It will take months to clean up the hazardous and environmental contamination. They, they won't have enough housing for all the displaced. We didn't either here for 50,000. There were 2,000 unaccounted for this morning. They have a list where they're trying to keep track. They found 700 bodies today, but there are still 1,300 missing. They're very worried that the community is going to freak out when they find out how not a single fire truck responded to the fires. The emergency sirens were not activated. You know, they had all kinds of amazing siren systems for any kind of hurricanes or whatever, right? People that are close to the situation said everything was in order. They worked, and nobody pushed the button to set them off. Does that get your attention? The emergency sirens were not activated. They're hurricane sirens. And loss of life could have been kept down by better emergency management, which utterly failed. It's always fascinating to me. We have an emergency management office here in both our counties. All they do, they don't go out and fight fire. All they do is plan and strategize about what if this happened and what if that happened, then what we would do. And they'd make a plan. If we had a flood, if we had a fire, if we had this, if we had that. But you know something? A lot of times emergency management screws up and they just, you know what they end up saying? Well, we learned a lot on this. And next time, this is what we're going to do. 
sometimes the next time they're so many years off, they can retire and they don't even have to do it next time. That's how much action they get. They get paid very nicely, emergency management people, and they do very little. They just think and plan and think and plan and think and plan. They don't even train like a firefighter. Firefighters are training all the time because they're going out every day, multiple times a day and night. The emergency sirens were not activated. Hmm. Isn't that interesting they weren't activated? Why do you think that is? They worked. I'm not trying to make waves or stir up problems, he said, but I was so angry and sad when I found out how many children are dead that I knew I had to post this and let everyone know what I've learned. It's time for our officials to stand up, tell the truth, face the music. Don't you feel that? Do you get tired of people lying to you in government? I've always felt and learned in different work I've done that people want the truth and they want it plain spoken. He says they failed La Hyena, guys. Our government is full of incompetent nepotism. Nepotism is when you hire your relatives to do a job, not the best person. The fire chief is the son of the former fire chief. We need to hold officials accountable for the mistakes they made. Please don't hate the messenger. I'm just relaying what I learned today. God bless Maui and La Hyena. Pray for all the victims. Well, some people believe that dastardly folks started that fire for a lot of ulterior motives. They, they want all the people off that island. They want to take it for themselves. It's for them, for many that have been there for many years, it's a sacred island. They don't want to sell it to other people, but maybe they're just going to contaminate it and take it. That's kind of what they did during covid they contaminated people's businesses. They said you can't be there because COVID. And you can't be there. Now, everybody else can be at the big box stores, but you can, and they can, you can be at a liquor store or a smoke shop, but you can't be at your barber shop. That's a non-essential, and you're going to get in trouble. And so they basically called your business a toxic business, and you couldn't be there. And if you stayed there, then you were going to get fined and pursued by law enforcement. Do you wonder, have you noticed how America has changed? Law enforcement just comes and just takes stuff from people, raids their houses in the middle of the night when they would have just turned themselves in. They didn't feel like they committed a crime, and they raid their houses and cause them all kinds of trauma and grief. We have been taken over, my friends, by an evil government. And our founding fathers said, if you're not willing to fight for your freedom, you have lost your freedom. One of the problems in California is we have Republicans, but they're not really Republicans. They're fakes. You know, when you say you're going to do something, like you go to a plumbing company and you get hired on, and you say, oh, I'm, I'm really experienced. But you just say that to get on, but you really don't know what you're doing. That's called being a fraud. And we have a lot of Republicans that are frauds. So this was reported this week by Suze, about Suzette Valladares. <coughs> she sent out two 
<clears throat> email blast within one week crowing about her support of parental empowerment. Yet when she had the chance to support that view, she voted in favor of AB 1184, a bill to hide from parents by school teachers and administrators their child's mental health issues or secret abortions abetted or helped by school officials. Yesterday, I received calls from several of her former constituents. They had confronted her about that vote. Her explanation was that she was afraid parents would be abusive if they found out their child was transgendered or gay or had an abortion or no longer used their name but used pronouns instead. She claimed she was protecting the children, yet she is a parent. Does she want her daughter's teacher to, to hide concerns about the issues from her? Is she an abusive parent? Like most Newsom Republicans... This is an interesting term, a Newsom Republican. Like most Newsom Republicans, she blames the parents for the problems of children. Da, 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 da. We have the re few Republicans we have in the legislature in California, and it's just a handful, are not really Republicans. They're fakes. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. So Suzette Valladares is pro-abortion. She's extremely pro-abortion. And she thinks the state's a better better um, handler of the kids than parents are. Do you know that? They often won't admit it, but that's really the way it is. She said, <clears throat> she said she's for parental rights, But she said it's unconstitutional to have any parental notification laws for children or any age to have their parents notified before an abortion. You know, people, I, I, I feel bad for you guys. I don't feel sorry. I feel bad for you folks who voted for her if you were deceived or maybe you voted because she's a Mexican. Or you you voted and you just aren't paying attention to what you're doing, but you voted to put people that are dangerous. This lady is dangerous. She can't think straight. She can't think straight. This lady is considered what they call a Newsom Republican. There's a guy we have up here. He's kind of a golden boy. James Gallagher. He's a Newsom Republican. He is not a true conservative patriot. He is not. He endorsed Prop 19, which narrowly passed several years ago, undermining a Proposition 13, which, which gave us some tax benefits, tax breaks on property taxes. Now, Prop 19, which was essentially starting another death tax, that means when you die, they cut, you know, it's like they tax you when you buy stuff, they tax you when you sell stuff. And then they tax you when you die and give yourself to give your stuff to your your loved ones. Most people have discontinued death taxes. It's a particularly egregious, painful tax. James Gallagher endorsed the death tax. Think about that. We'll be right back. We're going to start a second half. Of show.
you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman well, we president? We already have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. Says here, malaria drug chloroquine does not inhibit SARS-CoV-2. So this study came out this week, and this is in tissue culture. So I looked at the study, and I thought, that's interesting. I don't know what happened there, but uh, let me look at it. So then I saw KALU3 lung cells. So they said, hey, it may work in kidney cells, but it doesn't work in lung cells. So in our evidence, yeah, it can work in vitro and in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in kidney cells, but not in lung cells, right? So I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm, 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 so I, I worked at MD Anderson. I was in ocular oncology, and I, I thought about it. I said, I don't, I've heard of that cell line before, KALU3 lung cell. It's an adenocarcinoma. It's a lung cancer cell. So I called the, I, call, I, I tweeted, I corresponded with the author, and I said, you are, so, I am so happy for your study. You just showed one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen. I never thought I would see something so clear. You just proved that when virus is around and chloroquine is around, chloroquine will let the virus attack a cancer cell. I th I think about that. So it will protect a normal cell, but chloroquine will not protect a cancer cell because they're di de-differentiated. They're the receptors are different. I mean, think about that. So I turned him back. I said, thank you. That's the great. You, you completely misinterpreted the data, and you hid the fact. They hid it. They put it all the way down. As you know, you have to look for the data set. So I found it in, in the appendix, in little letters, KLU3 lung cells. So this is the disinformation campaign that we are faced with. They put out a big thing, and they said, oh, it doesn't work. They put it on Medical Express. Uh, you know, that's it for chloroquine. It's unlikely to work against SARS-CoV-2. We just proved it. No, you proved chloroquine is one of the smartest drugs in history. It will let the viruses attack cancer cells, but not normal cells. Buddy, y'all know these fires in Maui are post-apocalyptic kind of fires at this point. We're praying for these folks that have lost everything I literally can't imagine. And there's been a lot of explanations on how this fire started. We may never know the answer, but... If y'all wonder why I'm not too trusting, I became that way when I was seven years old and my dad told me that 12 gauge don't kick, son. Go ahead and shoot it, fire it off. So it's in my nature to ask questions, right? Maui has been one of the worst fires in American history, but here's where it takes a very, very weird turn. There's a police chief there in Maui. It's a guy named John Pelletier, and he's got a history with very, very tragic events. Do y'all know Pelletier was the same guy who was the incident commander during the Las Vegas massacre. The shootings they killed right during the middle of the Jason Aldean concert back in 2018 where 59 people were killed and 527 people were injured. He was the incident commander in Las Vegas at that time. Now I'm not accusing anybody of anything whatsoever but his involvement in the Las Vegas uh, shooting incident and now the Maui wildfires definitely raises some eyebrows is all I'm saying. We're allowed to at least ask questions. You know, if that doesn't freak you out enough, Chief Pelletier recently graduated from the FBI National Academy, securing a certificate in criminal justice. President with him at his graduation was A.G. William Barr and current FBI Director Christopher Wray. Now, these people are both in Clinton's back pockets, y'all. All I'm saying is there's some tragic events that go on. And if I were Pelletier, I would use this as an opportunity to say, look, 
<laughs> knock, knock, knock at the podium, at the microphone. I know how it looks, I know how it sounds, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. This is an absolute opportunity because now that people have made the connection, it looks bad, man. And as long as we're ignoring the cocaine in the White House, as long as we're ignoring the dead body at Obama's house, as long as we're ignoring the male prostitute at Paul Pelosi's house, maybe we could focus, maybe just maybe, on why the hell disaster keeps following this man. I mean, I think it's a big opportunity to go into public and do what I said, you know, correct everybody, tell everybody what's going on. Things got even crazier yesterday as Maui burns to the ground and Biden is vacationing on the beach. He's asked for a comment on the Maui uh, wildfires and Biden says, no comment. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you don't think this sounds shady? You don't think this sounds awful? By the way, the firefighters that were on duty, there was this guy named Kihai Ho. I'm probably going to mispronounce that. I apologize. But he was a firefighter on duty and he said when they opened the fire hydrants, there was no water. How about that? You want to explain that one away? I mean, I think this guy, Kihai Ho, God bless him, but he's going to need about 27 uh, bodyguards around the clock. I'll go ahead and just tell, those, tell everybody right now, Kihai Ho did not kill himself. You see what I'm saying? This ain't some kind of conspiracy theory. It's just asking a question, y'all. Because, look, this is how we get stuff done in America. They used to call Noah a conspiracy theorist for a long, long time until the flood came and all the fact checkers drowned. God bless y'all. I had the pleasure of growing up in America before the lawyers took it over and ruined it on us. In my day, if a kid fell off the monkey bars and chipped a bone in his arm, that was tragic, but it was funny to the rest of us. You know? <laughs> certainly wasn't reasons to take the monkey bars off the playground. We all did dumb things. That's how you learn not to do dumb things. C.S. Lewis said suffering was God's megaphone. That's right. You do dumb things, it hurts, and then you learn not to do it. I'll give you an example. When I was 12, someone told me to get a ball jar, a canning jar. Find some dry ice put it in the jar, put the lid on it. So I said, what's gonna happen? They said, it's gonna blow up. And I said, cool. Where do I get dry ice at? And they said, the ice cream man. So one day I heard the ice cream man coming down my street. I run out with one of my mother's canning jars and I ask, you got any dry ice? He said, what are you gonna do with it? I said, I'm gonna put it in this jar, I'm gonna put the lid on it and it's gonna explode. Ice cream man says, oh, here's your dry ice. That's the America I grew up in. It's really hot. I, I have a two-story house, and the, I don't have much air conditioner. And most air conditioning most of the year is just fine. But when it gets this hot, oh, baby, it's all hands on deck. Sometimes people call me, and they ask me to sort their legal problems out. I'm not an attorney. I've never gone to law school. I've just been around the courts a lot with trying to help people sort out their problems that they've created usually for themselves. And uh, so I recommend people go to this lady because she's honest, she's kind, she's fair priced. And I talk about fair price, nothing like an attorney would charge. So her name's Nellie Garcia or Yanelli Garcia. And she's located over at North Valley Paralegal. Uh, she owns it. She's at 1110 Civic Center Boulevard, 
that's in Yuba City right off Highway 20. Very easy to find. It's right across from the Sutter County Sheriff's Department. And you can find her at 202A, the suite, 202A. You could call her at uh, 530-751-9289. She will take care of your legal needs. Simple. Makes it really simple. So sometimes people think, you know, I procrastinate. I, I need a will done. I need a trust done. I need to change my will. need to change my trust. need to change my name. I need to get my neighbor to stop doing something. need a legal letter written. All those things are like simple, simple, simple. So if you need some help, um, give, a, give a shout out, and uh, she will do so for you. Okay? Uh, also, uh, you might want to check out Dave Grinnett's construction. If you're going to remodel your house and you're going to risk letting somebody just start pulling out walls and uh, putting in plumbing and electrical and you don't know whether they're really good or not or how it's going to look out or whether that wall is going to be straight or smooth or, or textured or looking good, perfect. If you don't know what you're really doing, you want to have calm satisfaction confidence you need to call greenitz construction that's the color green with etz on the end greenitzconstruction.com or you could go over to facebook page he has dave greenitz construction and you can look at his work there before and after so you know what you're getting into a finished product and then you could you know back in the day we didn't have that ability when i was youngster if you wanted to check somebody's work out, you had to go actually look at the work. It's kind of cumbersome, difficult. People don't like you traipsing around their house. You can call him at 530-682-9602. You can text that number as well, 530-682-9602. All right. Well, there's a clip here on this uh, show today that is telling about the horrible condition of one of the most at one time one of the most beautiful sought after cities in the world and the liberals i always should say here growing up uh how liberals just destroy things they're they're they have all these theories and then they put them into practice and they destroy something then they move on to something new and destroy that and then they finish that and then they get more money and move on to something new and destroy that so that's been the condition of San Francisco, one of the most liberal cities in the country. There's a business there that I didn't even know existed called Gumps. And it's a uh, furniture business, furnishings business. Have all kinds of things, I think personal furnishings and home furnishings. Gumps is located for 165 years, you know, if I talk about Greenitz Construction, I talk about Thrifty Rooter, I talk about Ted Holmes Construction, those people, they've been in business for 40 years. I think, wow, that's amazing. Gumps has been around for 165 years. You think anybody in San Francisco cares? They don't give a damn. Oh, oh, Gumps, yeah, we think Gumps is great. No, you don't give a damn. You just want to go and smoke some weed. So Gumps bought a big ad in the local paper, and it says, an open letter to Governor Newsom, Mayor Breed, and San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Those are the people that made San Francisco what it is today. Newsom started it. 
Goes on to say, Gumps has been a San Francisco icon for more than 165 years. Today, as we prepare for our 166 holiday season at 250 Post Street, we fear this may be our last because of our profound erosion of this city's current conditions. San Francisco now suffers from a tyranny of the minority, behavior and actions of the few that jeopardize the livelihood of the many. Sounds like a Republican wrote this, right? But this is, the liberals love this. The ramifications of COVID policies advising people to abandon their offices are are only beginning to be understood. Equally devastating have been a litany of destructive San Francisco strategies, including allowing the homeless to occupy our our sidewalks, to openly distribute and use illegal drugs, to harass the public and defy the city street, defile the city streets. Such abject disregard for civilized conduct makes San Francisco unlivable for its residents, unsafe for our employees, and unwelcoming to visitors from around the world. San Franciscans deserve better than the current condition of our city. Gumps implores the governor, the mayor, and the city supervisors to take immediate action, including cleaning the city streets, removing homeless encampments, enforcement of city and state ordinances, and returning San Francisco to its rightful place as one of the America's shining beacons of urban society. Boy, it was that. It was that. We used to have a house down there. We had a, what we call a ministry house. We had young people living down there, reaching people on the streets. It was a three-story Victorian, and it was gorgeous. Loved it on Fell Street. San Francisco has been ruined. I'm saying that, not Gump's. But it goes on to say here, see if I can get my cursor over here and get the last couple lines. As San Franciscans, we will continue to support the compassionate efforts of helping those in need. But we believe failed public policies must be abandoned and a renewed focus must be brought to restore the city we all love. So, I believe that Gumps will be gone in a year because... These people have a mental illness, liberals. Rush Limbaugh used to say it, and I thought it was hyperbole. But no, it isn't hyperbole. These people are goofy. They're demonized. They got something else, super-duper juju that's going on in their brain. I want to tell you something I just heard today that I thought was so fascinating. Around the world, when... There's an uproar in a nation. Maybe there's civil war. Maybe there's a coup trying to overthrow the government. Sometimes the U.S. government will tell Americans to leave that country. In extreme circumstances, they will actually tell the people in the embassy of that American embassy in that country to leave the country. For until things settle down. That's happened in Kenya. There's been wars, Uganda, the Congo, the Middle East. So, recently, this last week, you know, in San Francisco, there's all kinds of amazing buildings housing many different types of buildings, some, some private enterprise, big, big manufacturers or tech companies. And then you have big government. I went down to the uh, Secretary of State's office in San Francisco one day. I needed a quick 
update on my uh, passport. I needed some more pages put in it. And I went down there and went up in one of those buildings, and, and uh, it was a very secure building with guards and everything. Went up, and they fixed my passport. Another time I went up to San Francisco many times, and I used BART to come across the, from the East Bay and went up and walked up. I went up to Civic Center uh, outlet there at the BART and then walked up to the main uh, street and then walked over to the Chinese embassy to get my Chinese visa to travel to China. You had to go physically up here. The federal government, like the federal government, protects their employees overseas by telling them to leave in a time of upheaval. The federal government has told its employees in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco, to not go to work. Does that get your attention? The federal government has told its employees in San Francisco that it's too safe, too unsafe and gnarly to try to go to and leave work. Because probably in their, the workplace, there's a guard there. But, but getting in and getting out and the jeopardy of your car being vandalized and the, uh, the windows being broken out. I have a pair of good friends, a couple. She is Filipino. He is Indian from India. They are wonderful people. They're kind people. They help people. That's what they do with their life. They help other people. They wanted to go to San Francisco for the day, something lovebirds like to do. And when they got in their car at the end of the day, when they parked their car, they got in their car to come home, their catalytic converter had been stolen, cut off and stolen. That's what you get when you go to San Francisco. Many people have had, they go to San Francisco and they park their car and their windows get knocked out because people think maybe they can call, find a few dollars or some change around their floorboard. Or they see something they think is something valuable and they just, they, there's no hesitancy. They just, they call it San Francisco snow, Bay Area snow. It's just shattered glass on the concrete. San Francisco is collapsing and it will continue to collapse. How far it goes, whether it becomes an abandoned ghost town. Can you imagine a ghost town of San Francisco? Detroit has some some miles, square miles of Detroit are abandoned. There's old broke-down buildings. Nobody lives there. Nobody tries to live there. They're not serving that area with emergency response. It's like the wilderness, except it's urban wilderness. San Francisco, Oakland, L.A., same thing. They're going down. They don't have the ability to make right decisions. They don't have the brains to make right decisions, and they don't have the spaldings to make right decisions. It's over for San Francisco. I have to drive through there a couple times a year to get to the San Francisco airport. I don't go down on the main streets. I just stay up on the freeway above the city and just get through it and get out. It's trouble, 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 trouble. So that's what's going on there. And people have are doing video series and getting lots of looks showing the city streets of San Francisco. They just don't take a 
a video of the street. They they go down, said, you remember this building? This is where so-and-so was. This is where some hotel was. This is where some uh, famous art studio was. This is where this was, a coffee shop, this, that, and the other thing. They show all of them are boarded up. They're gone. Absent. They flew the coop. So something to think about and maybe you're not going down there you're not going into to any of these big cities but you may look want to look at your own city because uh your own city's in trouble big time and you need to figure out what you're going to do about it let me show you what corruption is Oakland, a number of years ago, wanted to manage what you eat. This is true communism, where they tell you what you can and can't eat. They do it through a taxing system. The question this author writes, did you really think that a soda tax was anything but an excuse to tax you, to finance corrupt and mismanaged government? Oakland cannot protect its citizens from gangs and thieves, but can tax your soda to finance worthless programs to keep the homeless on the streets and protect criminals from prosecution. Do you know some cities have taxed sodas to try to encourage you, make them so expensive you might not want to drink them? The board recommended that the remaining 40% of the, of the task, tax, they split up the tax, roughly $2.8 million per year. Let me see if I got this straight. So the board over this money, you know how they put a board under money that's controversial? Let the board do it. Then it keeps the political people safe. Well, I, it was all a board that did it. The staff did it. I had nothing to do with it. The board recommended that the remaining 40% of the tax, roughly $2.8 million per year, be divided three ways. City agencies like Health, Human Services, and Oakland Parks, Recreation, Youth Development, so 40% would go to human services and parks. Recreation youth development would get 16%. Another 16% would go to the Oakland District Unified School District. That would, that's a waste of money. The remaining 8% would be used to cover administrative costs. However, according to the advisory board and analysts from SPUR, a San Francisco-based nonprofit public policy organization, the amount that the council ultimately set aside for a community-based organization was much less than 40%. In fact, it was 28% instead of a full 60%. That's typical of government. According to city budget records reviewed by the Oakland side, the mayor and council kept most of the money themselves, over $5 million each year, using it to pay for city services and departments like parks, recreation, youth development. Bait and switch. If you did it, they would send you to jail. When the government does it, it's all for the kids. You remember those type of things? It's all for the kids. This was 
this is how Oakland, Oakland just voting themselves into oblivion, the people. It's called the Sugar Sweetened Beverage Tax Community Advisory Board. Anytime they have these controversial things, they put an advisory board over them to take the heat off the politicians. Oakland, you remember the days when Oakland had a baseball team, professional, a professional football team, and a professional NBA team. Remember those days? I never made it to a football game. We used to love to watch the Raiders on television, but I made it to many, many A's games and a couple Golden State Warrior games. Right there, all on that property near the Nimitz Freeway. You remember that? Those are the good old days. Now, the football team has left. Went to Las Vegas. Now, the basketball team left and went across the river or the uh, ocean, the bay, to San Francisco. And now, the uh, baseball team is talking about also, I guess, moving over to Las Vegas. Would you ever imagine? The city, the cities are dying because of liberal management. It's just bad management people. It doesn't matter whether it's a Taco Bell. It doesn't matter whether it's McDonald's. It doesn't matter whether it's a tire shop, a church, a family. Bad leadership leads to bad results. I'm just glancing through the rest of this article, see if there's anything else to say about it or just move on. Just so disgusting. So disgusting. People just, they just go along with these taxes. Oh, we need this tax. Oh, we need this tax. Oh, just, you know, support us. We really need to help the police. They always, you always use police and fire as chum in the waters to get what they want. You know what they want? Bigger and more expensive government. Listen, people, we need to just say, Get out of government or reduce your wages. If Sutter County Supervisors, for example, wants all the former paid firefighters in Sutter County to work for free, why don't the supervisors work for free? I think that's a good idea. Just a thought. Have some skin in the game like Obama used to say. Think about it. All right, we're going to be right back and... Uh, Discover public schools are bad, so what do you do? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. 
we can all applaud pro-family school boards that do a little bit for parental rights. But these are superficial skirmishes and the tip of the iceberg. The gigantic problem that remains is every child enrolled in the government-controlled schools will be sexually indoctrinated. In California, there are 12 statewide brainwashing laws. So don't be deceived. The only way to rescue your children from harmful influences is to church school, micro school, or homeschool. Open your mind to realize you can indeed rescue your child. See how at our special website, rescueyourchild.com, or visit savecalifornia.com, championing your values in California. Mr. Jordan from Ohio for five minutes. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, look forward, the Democrats tell us. Focus on the future. Might have started in a lab. Might have, might have happened in nature. But here's the question I keep coming up with. If, if it may have been a lab, may have been nature, we're supposed to look forward, then why did Dr. Fauci work so hard for just one of those theories? Why was it so important to push one over the other? Dr. Barris said, oh, we should entertain uh, all hypotheses. Dr. Fauci had his, uh, his hypothesis, how this started. We should entertain all of them. But that's not what happened. That is definitely not what happened. Three years ago, if you thought it came from a lab, if you raised that, you were called a nut job. You got censored on Twitter. You were blacklisted on Twitter. You were even called a crackpot by the very scientist who in late January sent emails to Dr. Fauci and said it came from a lab. They called you crackpot. Is that right, Dr. Redfield? I think the most upsetting thing to me was the uh, Baltimore Sun calling me a racist because I said this came from a Wuhan lab. Dr. Redfield, you, were, you're, uh, you, you ran the CDC and you were on the Coronavirus Task Force, is that right? Correct. That was formed on January 29th, 2020, is that right? Correct. Two days later, Dr. Fauci gets an email from Dr. Anderson which says what? Virus looks engineered, virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. Is that accurate? That's my understanding. Next day, I know. Did he share that email with you, by the way, Dr. Redfield? No. As a member of the task force, as a head of CDC, did he share that email with you? No. Okay. Next day, February 1st, Dr. Gary sends Dr. Fauci another email. That email says, I don't know how this happens in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab. Did he share that email with you, Dr. Redfield? You didn't see either one of those emails, even though you're head of CDC, even though you're on the coronavirus task force that had been formed just two days, three days earlier. No. Three days later, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, who told us it came from a lab and emails to Dr. Fauci that Dr. Fauci wouldn't let Dr. Redfield see, three days later, they changed their position 180 degrees. The question is why? Mr. Wade, why would they change their position that fast when the only intervening event is a conference call with Dr. Fauci, the guy who wouldn't let Dr. Redfield see the very emails that they had sent him, Dr. Redfield, head of CDC on the Coronavirus Task Force. Why would they change their position, Dr. Wade, or Mr. Wade? Uh, well, this question does lie at the heart of the um, issue. Uh, what is pertinent, it seems to me, is there's, there's no new scientific evidence that we can see that came uh, available between these dates, the Jan 31st I, and Feb 4. Right, there's no new, I think you're, go ahead. So you have to ask if there were other uh, other kinds of influence uh, available. <clears throat> now, it is true that, that <clears throat> Dr. Fauci and Dr. Farrer in London were very powerful research officials, and between them, they controlled... I read, I read your testimony. I saw okay. that. Yeah. So... Why don't you uh, cut to the chase and tell them what you really think was the reason? <laughs> uh, 
I don't know what, what the reason was. I, do. I know what it was. I, go well, ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you say it because I read your testimony. I think you, you said it in your testimony, too. Maybe you're reluctant <clears> to say it here, but go ahead. Well, if you're looking at the timeline, on um, May 21st, um, just uh, a few weeks after the Nature, Med uh, the, the Nature Medicine article had come out, uh, two of the signatures of the original email to uh, Dr. Fauci, that, that's Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, were awarded a $9 million grant for the... So there's research. $9 million reasons why they changed their mind. I knew you'd get to it. I read that last night. Three months after, so three days after they say it came from a lab, they changed their position in the only intervening events, a conference call with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, again, a call that... Mr. Redfield was not allowed to be on the head of CDC and on the coronavirus task force. And then three months later, shazam, they get nine million bucks from Dr. Fauci. Well, isn't that something? Isn't that something? That's why we want to talk to these guys. That's why Chairman Winstrom wants to bring in Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary and ask them a series of questions so we can get to the bottom of this. So we can move forward and deal with this. Here's the key question. Look, I don't, I'm not I'm just a common sense guy from Ohio. My, I, well, I, was, I majored in wrestling in college, but I got a degree in economics. You're supposed to get a degree when you go to college. I got one in economics. And one of the things they tell you about is a thing called opportunity cost. So when you're spending your time making sure that the country believes only one of these theories, you could have been doing what Dr. Redfield was doing in our government, trying to figure out how we deal with this virus. And what was, what was Dr. Fauci doing? He was trying to cover his backside, and everybody knows it. And that's the part that ticks us off, because this is the highest paid guy in our government getting all kinds of money to tell us things that were not accurate. Because we now know U.S. tax dollars went to a lab in China, a lab that was not up to code, a lab that was doing gain-of-function research, and that's where this thing most definitely came from. And Dr. Fauci had to prove, no, no, he can't have that news getting out. And that's why he did what he did to the exclusion of a brilliant guy running our CDC, kept him out of the loop. Keeping him out of the loop probably potentially could have harmed America. That's the thing that ticks us all off. And that's why, Mr. Chairman, this, this hearing is so darn important, and we get to the bottom of really what happened. I yield back. You got to be smart when you drink. One of my friends, she just quit drinking, told me that she hit a rock bottom. I want to know more. I was like, what was your rock bottom story? She goes, I woke up in an apartment I didn't know naked next to a guy I didn't know holding me. That was my rock bottom. Not sure what that says about me, but that'd be the best day of my life. <laughs> I hope that gives you an idea of how things are going. There must be some kind of way out of here. Said a joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Businessman there to drink my wine Come and dig my earth None will level on the mine This thing hot Sometimes I do some recording, and I think I'm recording. I'm just talking to myself. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to any recording. I'm just beating my gums together, not doing anything. There's an article up here I want to touch on that uh, 
This is amazing. This is amazing. Let me get up here and uh, I want to talk about a couple people here and then we'll get into it for the next couple segments. If you need some somebody to help you secure your property, secure your safety, maybe keep people out of your business, you can get some help from Elite Universal Security. The police isn't what it used to be. I'm just telling you. And usually that's been because their political overseers, city councils, supervi supervisors, etc., have dictated it to be so. And in some cases, the voters have reduced the laws, weakened the laws, damaged the ability of the law enforcement to get ne'er-do-wells off the streets. So it puts a lot of pressure on private security firms like Elite Universal Security. They're located, they started out in Yuba County many decades ago, but now they're all over the North State. So you might even want to go to work for them maybe part-time. Maybe you're a little short of money now. There's huge inflation. Gas prices way up. Who would have ever dreamed? But if you can hear me out there, uh, there may be s some work being done by Elite Universal Security right in your own backyard. So you could call them if you're interested or... If maybe you need some help, either way, they can do it. 530-749-0280. 530-749-0280. Elite Universal Security. Very simple. EliteUniversalSecurity.com. They also have a website called API-Academy.com. That's for their schooling. So check them out if you need to. They'll teach you how to do all aspects of guard work. They'll also help you figure out how to keep safe, how to keep your stuff, your stuff, and the, the most modern technology-laden approaches. So give it a shot. Also, Plumbing Doctor, Ted Holmes and the Plumbing Doctor, they are expanding and they uh, they keep they're still serving you, but Sutter counties, but they're adding more trucks, and so you can uh, reach them 24 hours a day, any day of the week at 530-671-9111 when you have a plumbing problem. I've had them do all kinds of work over here, replace uh, the faucets and sinks, replace toilets, unplug things. I got an old house. And uh, just nice to have them available. Boom, just get things done. Also, I wanted to mention Embassy uh, Private Education Center. A lot of you are moving your kids out of public schools because they're corrupt. They're polluting your kid's brain. They're liars. They're deceived. I wouldn't want a, my, my kid to be subject to deceived people that are telling them things that are not true. Embassy Private Education Center started up during COVID because kids couldn't go to school and no masks, no mandates, no no uh, government baloney, no vaccines. They are situated out at the Church of Glad Tidings campus, 1179 Eager Road. That's just north of Yuba City, very easy to get to, three minutes north of the mall there. 
Uh, if you go to the churchofgladtidings.com website and then scroll over with your cursor over the word ministries, a, a drop-down will occur, and Epic will be down there. Click on it, and you can find all you need to know about the school. There's testimonies, there's videos of kids talking about how the school changed their lives. Uh, and it uh, talks about the curriculum, what time they get to school, what time they get out, the things they do, the things they don't do, the things, all that kind of stuff. And it's an application you could fill out and send it right on the website. So that's Embassy Private Educational Center. It's run by a couple, John and Vicki Tade, and a board of directors. John and Vicki Tade were public education uh, teachers and left because of the nonsense they were being told to teach the kids. That should get your attention. If it doesn't, you're not such a hot parent. So uh, check it out. Epic. And uh, that has a phone number and everything else on that website. Easy does it. Yeah, easy. Okay. So... I want to tell you about, do you remember Solyndra? Trying to find it myself. I'm getting closer. Remember Solyndra? It was a big uh, solar panel company, kind of a startup. And all of a sudden, it, we were made aware that uh, the Obama administration had given them a half a billion dollars. Excuse me, half a million. Yeah, half a billion dollars. Essentially, Five hundred thirty-five million. That's half a billion. Plus receiving a twenty-five million dollar tax break from California's Agency for Alternative en Energy, Solyndra, big company. Turned out that some of the leaders of Solyndra, some of their top people, had actually made huge donations to Obama's campaign. And then they lobbied Obama to help them do green energy. At that time, <clears throat> there was the 2009 American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, or ERA, A-R-R-A. It was, Solyndra was the first company to get government-backed loans from ERA after its passage, and I told you how much they got. So now we have a different company called Proterra. And different from Solyndra, Solyndra took the money, and within about half a year, they filed bankruptcy. They spent the money, took the money, uh, and filed bankruptcy. And walked away from owing the, the government millions of dollars. Half a billion dollars. So now we have a company called Proterra who voluntarily now has filed for protection under Chapter 11 of the United States Bankruptcy Code, which is a business reorganization plan, which puts all your creditors 
it halts them, puts them on pause. Protera or Protera, P-R-O-T-E-R-R-A, is an electric bus manufacturing company. This is how corrupt this is. These companies get all these tax dollars and nobody's got skin in the game and then they crash land. One day, a few weeks ago, I was watching YouTube and I like to watch these interviews of congressmen, senators, and congressmen, assembly people in the uh, House of Representatives. I like to watch them interview people to question them about how they're doing their job. Jennifer Granholm is the energy secretary. I think she used to be governor of Michigan. She is a blonde woman. She's very arrogant. Most of these people are. They're very arrogant. They just think that uh, they can do whatever they want, and they're so proud of themselves. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm sold her holdings in the electric bus maker Proterra this week. Department of Energy confirmed to Politico on Wednesday following criticism from Republicans that she might be profiting from the administration's push for electric vehicles. uh, Josh, I think it's Josh Hawley, from the the um, senator from Missouri was interviewing Miss Granholm and asked her about investments in the energy sector, the same sector that she's overseeing. The Secretary of Energy, it, you know, the Department of Energy does not produce one volt of energy. Doesn't produce any energy. It just gets in people's way. So he asked her, do you have any holdings in any energy company? And she said, no. I sold them all. Here we have it. You know how much she sold? Right before she knew they were going to file for reorganization? It doesn't say what how much she sold. Do you know how much her net capital gains is 1.6 million. She must have had tens of millions of dollars invested in Proterra, the electric bus people. In 2015, Proterra received a $3 million state grant to build a factory. You see how these companies do it? They just they say we're going to build this wonderful factory. Why don't you pay for it out of out of tax dollars? So they said, oh, we're going to do all electric buses. They're going to be wonderful. They're going to pay for themselves. Lie, 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 lie. Why don't you give us $3 million to build a factory to build the buses? So the government did. In 2017, Proterra was awarded a California Competes tax credit worth $7.5 million. $4.5 million was later recaptured because the company defaulted on the agreement. But they, they gave him some money, right? Hang on, it gets it's get better or worse, however you want to look at it. In 2020, Proterra received a $10 million PPP loan. Did you get one of those? Supervisors got them. Some city council people got them. They got a $10 million PPP loan. 
that was later forgiven. In 2018, Proterra contributed more than $10,000 to groups opposing the repeal of the gas tax. Does that make you happy? Here you are, are praying and hoping for a repeal of the t- gas tax increase. Meanwhile, Proterra, who's making electric buses, wants you out of your car so they donate $10,000 to groups opposing, in other words, the groups that say, no, we want the high gas tax to get you out of your car. So Proterra takes our tax dollars and works against us. The CEO has contributed $2,750 to Democrat state candidates Josh Becker, former Senator Kevin DeLeon, and Senator Henry Stern. They're taking our tax dollars to do that, whether you agree with of who they support or not. So far this year, Proterra has spent more than $36,000 on state-level lobbying. Don't you think they'd cut back if they're going broke? I got I got names here on, on who they gave money to. Let me see if there's any interesting names. Stern for Senate, Becker for Senate, De Leon for Lieutenant Governor. So they took our tax dollars and supported all these people running for government. They spent $36,000 so far this year. Proterra lobbied the Biden administration ahead of the president's visit to the Proterra plant. Weeks before President Biden boosted Proterra with an official tour of its plant, the electric battery company hired a pair of Obama administration alums to lobby the White House for funding, amplifying, do you see how they're doing this? Amplifying its already concerning political connections to the Biden administration. According to the disclosure form filed 2021, politically connected electric bus manufacturer brought on lobbying firm Boundary Stone and Partners on April 1 to push the administration for increasing funding of clean energy infrastructure projects, including electrification of mass transport vehicles. Peter Gould and Christine Turner, lobbyists, both worked in the top echelons of the Obama administration. Gould was Associate Director of Government Affairs, Department of Transport. Turner held numerous trade-related positions throughout the administration, including the White House National Security Council. Just 19 days after the firm was brought on, Biden and his top economic advisor, Brian Deese, toured Proterra and pledged that the administration's infrastructure plan would direct money to the company. The company's going broke. The company isn't generating any income. It's just living off grants and loans. In 2019 and 2020 to 20, 19 to 20 fiscal year, Proterra spent more than $280,000, not on innovative work, on state level lobbying. State level lobbying. Does that make sense to you? They're living on taxpayer money. Grant, 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 do you realize there isn't nobody named Grant out there that's given all this money? In 2017-18, they spent 
256000 on state-level lobbying. I have all the notes. I, I'm just not repeating an article. I have the notes on this crazy thing. Anyway, as they went bankrupt, reorganization, they owe the government a lot of money. They owe the California Resource Board. They owe California Attorney General, California Board of Equalization, DMV, Department of Tax and Fee Administration, an Energy Commission, Franchise Tax Board, State Board of Equalization, State Controller's Office, University of California, San Diego, California, Irvine, and Secretary of State of California, California Department of General Services. And, uh, you know, they just blew their money. How about that? So it's a bad, you know, some people, it just, until this stops, uh, until you vote people into office that don't believe in this type of funding, do you realize that before the Carter administration, we didn't have a Department of Energy? We did not have a Department of Education? Now we can't get rid of them. They have hundreds of thousands of employees make millions of dollars. It's just unbelievable. It's wrong, people. So, uh, all right, let me just see what I have. Uh, I want to uh, this is a little bit of blog from Kevin Kiley. He's a congressman from the California area around here, around Sacramento, actually. Last night he said, I let off Laura Ingram's show on Fox News with a simple message. The collapse of San Francisco is the ultimate case study for the failure of radical progressive politics. It is Newsom's model for the nation taken to its end stage. I noted the crime in San Francisco so out of control, the employees at Nancy Pelosi's federal building uh, are staying home now. Too dangerous to come to work. Can you, can you imagine? Too dangerous to come to work. It's San Francisco, California. As the nation watches his home city in freefall, Newsom just gave his most farcical performance in a news conference dubbed California's education transformation he claimed our state offers the most parental engagement and local control in the nation parents don't feel that parents don't feel that locally they got shouted down by Fal Asrani at the Marisol Joint System in a board meeting the other night I have it on my phone sent to me her yelling at this, this guy said do you want to take it outside dude I thought Come on, people. Come on. We'll be right back. I got one more segment to do.
there is, right now, something that you can call an interesting situation playing itself out over in the state of Florida. Down there, we are currently seeing medical freedom activists putting more and more pressure on a certain hospital system that's located in the city of Sarasota. You see, back on Tuesday of last week, that particular hospital system, they put out an official report. You can see it up on your screen. And this report, it essentially touted how awesome their response to COVID was. However, these medical freedom activists, which include people who actually lost family members to COVID at this hospital, are calling this report a form of cover-up. And this back and forth has now drawn national attention. Because you see, on the same day that this report was released, this hospital hosted a board meeting, wherein hundreds of people from across the entire state came in to hear what the hospital would say about their treatments, which many people allege actually led to unnecessary deaths. However, it appears that the hospital management, they knew, they knew ahead of time that a large crowd was coming to the event. And so what they did was that they padded the audience with their own employees. According to a journalist named Chris Nelson, who was reporting for the Epic Times right there on the ground in Sarasota, what happened was that the hallway of the hospital was absolutely packed hours before the doors to the meeting were actually opened. And many of the people who came were family members of those who unfortunately died during treatment for the virus. And these people were there to object to the COVID treatment protocols that the hospital had in place. But once the doors to the board meeting actually opened, they found that almost all the seats were taken up by hospital employees. You see, because the hospital management got wind of these people coming, they tried to pad the audience with as many hospital employees as they possibly could. Then, once the board meeting actually got underway, once it got started, there were about two full hours worth of presentations about how good the hospital was and how well they did during the pandemic. And each of these presentations was met with applause and standing ovations from the crowd, which again was padded with hospital employees. Then, after about two hours worth of these nonstop praises, the medical freedom activists were finally allowed to speak. And during their speeches, they accused the hospital system of using ineffective treatments just because those treatments happened to be directly tied to federal payouts from both the CDC as well as from the NIH. Several people, in fact, blamed the use of the drug remdesivir for the deaths of their family members. While several other of the people who spoke, they described the process of literally begging the hospital to consider using alternative treatments. Now, in case you've never heard of it before, Ivermectin is an FDA-approved drug which is typically prescribed to treat several types of intestinal parasites. And the drug is pretty widespread, having been administered to quite literally several billion people around the world. And it's by no means a fringe drug somewhere on the periphery. In fact, the people who discovered Ivermectin, they won the 2015 Nobel Prize in medicine. However, it is worth noting that this drug is not approved by the FDA to treat COVID, even though many people use it for that purpose anyway. There's actually a phenomenal repository of ivermectin-related studies. You can see it up on screen for yourself. And this repository is essentially an ongoing meta-analysis of almost 200 studies which looked at the effectiveness of ivermectin in treating COVID-19. Basically, what happens is that every time a new study is published regarding ivermectin, it's added to this growing database. Now, I am not a doctor, and neither am I a scientist, and so I'm not going to offer too much in the way of analysis regarding these studies. If you want to check out that database for yourself, I'll throw the link to it down into the description box below. Regardless, though, as a practical matter, many physicians across the U.S., they claim to have seen very positive results after administering ivermectin to their COVID patients, even though the FDA doesn't recognize it as a valid treatment. And one of those doctors was Dr. John Littell, who operates a family practice over in Ocala, which is a city in Florida, about a three-hour drive from Sarasota. He came to this meeting, he shook hands with the hospital director, and then he gave a speech about how difficult COVID was on everybody, and then how effective he found ivermectin to be in his own private practice. 
but wouldn't you know it? Within just minutes of making that statement, police swooped in and they whisked the doctor away. Here's footage from our reporter who was right there in the room. What were the outcomes that we had? And we used an independent third party who basically said we had 24% better outcomes than our peer group. I'm not a contracted physician. I'm able to speak my mind. That's why I asked. So thank you for your advocacy, for patience and help. All right. Second thing was is to follow the money. I'm kind of a numbers guy. And did the hospital benefit, or was there any? You're not allowed to record that. So can't videotape him? What are we doing there? Interesting. He said, I can't video what's happening out there. Now really think about that for a moment. Whatever you think of this treatment, this doctor was kicked out of a board meeting for simply testifying to the effectiveness of the drug in his own private experience. Regardless, after the doctor was kicked out of the building, the journalist who was reporting for us, he followed him outside and he was able to conduct a short interview right there on the street. And by the way, big props for Mr. Chris Nelson, the journalist who conducted the interview. And if you want to follow him, his Twitter handle is at ReopenChris. And here's what the doctor told him right there on the street after getting kicked out of the board meeting. No, 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 what just happened in there, Dr. Littell? Tell, first of all, tell us who you are, yeah, what's yeah. going on here, and what just happened. Well, I'm a family doc. I worked in Ocala, Florida this morning. I drove down here just to give a voice for the voiceless, the people who were treated unfairly during COVID, uh, worse than unfairly. My own experience as a doctor caring for patients in four hospitals. And I have to tell you, Sarah Soto did an amazing job of allowing people to have a voice today, although they cut our time down at the last minute to three minutes, and in my case, two and a half minutes. So I didn't get to say what I wanted to say because I was only given two and a half minutes to really speak about my concerns. What happened just now is that there's a wonderful board member who I just met for the first time. I went up to her after the meeting, or I thought it was near the end of the meeting, and just asked her if there was any chance I could say something more uh, because I had been cut short. And I wanted to say, had I had a few more minutes to say, she herself voiced the fact that there's doctors on staff at this hospital who will not speak their mind because for fear of retribution, for fear of losing their job. And what I wanted to tell her as a doctor who's taking care of other physicians with COVID for the last three years, other physicians, cardiologists, pathologists, obstetricians, pediatricians calling me for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but they wouldn't ever let anyone know. This is what's happened. The hospitalists, even in this hospital, do not want people to know where they stand because they, have, they are fearful of eventually being kicked out of either the hospital or their own groups. So the reason I came here, I said, I'm, all I said was I'm wearing this white coat. I represent myself and most importantly, my contract with my patients. See, that's different. Hospital anymore, 99% of doctors have a contract, an exclusive contract with the hospital or they're employed by the hospital. They cannot speak their minds freely. But what do they do when they had COVID, especially during Delta? They call doctors like me all over the state. I got calls from doctors and lawyers and mayors and, and teachers. And I just treated them with the stuff that I knew worked and kept him out of the hospital. So I, what happened here tonight was simply, I guess I violated protocol. I have to confess, I have not ever been at a hospital board meeting, ever. I've been chief of staff, but not this kind of meeting where 
I thought I could walk up and just say thank you for what, for what the lady said. And the treatment I got was for a half a dozen, you know, uniformed folks to initially walk me out of there and then say I had to leave the entire premises of the hospital as though I'm some kind of a criminal. And all I did was speak my Well, I mean, you can't, you got up there and you said you've treated a lot of patients with ivermectin. And then you were going to talk to the what board member and what what's her name? What the one that, that said, was talking that he was. The one on the end, I'm not sure. Okay, she was saying something that you liked uh, about how, about how the, and how how people are afraid to speak up. And then right as she was saying, right as you were talking to her and you were trying to compliment her, that she was a, about her saying that doctors are afraid to speak up because of what might happen to them. You, a doctor, spoke up. And were, escor- and were escorted out by police officers. Right. I, I whispered to her. I didn't want to disrupt the meeting, if you notice. I didn't go in and shout. I just went up to her quietly, bent over, thanked her for her time. Listen, I've been at meetings in, in Tallahassee and in Washington, D.C. I've never actually been told I couldn't go up to a congressman, a, sa- a, a legislator, <laughs> or a state senator and actually whisper to them near the conclusion of the meeting. I have never been, in Tallahassee, I've never been treated like this, but the Sarasota Hospital decides to treat me like a common criminal and escort me off their premises because they had the audacity of complimenting a board member for saying something good and offering my services to her if she wanted to reach out to me after the meeting. That's all I said. It seems like you proved their point. Uh, what did you think about this report, especially, report you know? The report is uh, very well prepared, very um, uh, designed to assuage the community leaders into thinking that every hospital that treated every patient with COVID did the right thing. When in fact, every hospital continues to unnecessarily test people. When they say they have these great results in cases of COVID, you have to understand 90% of the people right now that are being diagnosed as COVID in hospitals don't even have COVID symptoms. They're not even sick with COVID. Once I'm on to the airport in Atlanta, Georgia, there's a black dude working TSA. Give my ID. He's like, all right, Kevin, have a good day. I go, no, sir, that's not my name. He's like, it's not Kevin. I'm like, nah, dog. That's Kayvon. <laughs> and I knew he liked it because his voice went up a little bit. He's like, your name Kayvon? <laughs> That's cool, man. All right, Kayvon. I like that. Have a good day, Kayvon. I'm like, you didn't get my last name yet. He's like, hold on, Kayvon. Let me see your last name. Mosey? I'm like, nah, player. That's Moezy. His voice went up in my Your name is Kayvon Moezy? That's your real name? I go, yeah. And he said the funniest thing. He goes, how you get a black name? Are you black? <laughs> I'm like, no, sir, I'm Persian. He's like, nah, that's black. That's a black name. <laughs> I can't help about the shape I'm in. I can't sing. I ain't pretty and my legs are thin. But don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to. So Kylie goes on here and said to the governor, who shut down schools, forced masks on toddlers, even tried a kid's vaccine mandate, all by state statewide decree to claim the banner of parents' rights is the height of delusion. But it's all revealing. Newsom has realized his alienation of parents is a liability. That same realization is why, in response to my questioning, Education Secretary Cardona, who's another Mexican nut, point-blank lied about supporting the vaccine mandate. So many of these guys 
Oh, really? CDC? Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't talk about ivermectin. We didn't say anything negative about ivermectin. We didn't say you couldn't use ivermectin. We didn't say uh, we were. We thought that you know we didn't say you had to do the shot. Cardona says after they said you couldn't come to school without all these things. He lied about supporting vaccine mandates. Xavier Becerra, who's a tw- looks like a twin brother to this guy, a couple of gangsters, political Democrat gangsters. Xavier Becerra made humiliating statements, according to Kylie, about ma- masking two-year-olds. He couldn't answer why you have to mask two-year-olds. He would not answer that question. What benefit is it? FBI Director Christopher Wray threw A.G. Garland under the bus for the school bond memo. That's the that's the bond memo that told the FBI that they were America, they were domestic terrorists. You ever gone there all steamed and told the board off? Totally unbelievable what's going on everywhere. It's not just in California. I'm here in California. I'm focusing on talking about what's going on in California. We don't like it. But just like the people that are stranded in Vietnam, they make the best of their country and appreciate the good things it has. Uh, They show more respect for the military and police than we do. They, they, They sang their national anthem at the World soccer deal over proudly sang it as our spoiled brat women uh, made a mess of the whole thing. All right, I'm, I'm looking for a couple spots here. I got 17 minutes left, and I want to use them wisely. Okay. So Dan Walters, who used to write for the Sacramento Bee, he retired. Then he went to work for other newspapers. He didn't really want to quit writing. He just wanted to take his retirement and work a little differently. So a policy, Public Policy Institute of California poll found that Californians overwhelmingly believe that bad economic times are coming worse than what we have now based in part on experiences with inflation and housing, food, fuel, and other living expenses. These may be more than just pure emotion. California's unemployment rate in June is 4.6%, which doesn't sound that bad, certainly much lower than it was when the state's economy shut down during COVID, pushing the jobless rate to 16%, over 16%. However, it was much higher than it had been a year earlier, and it has now been higher than a year earlier. Second highest of any state in unemployment rate. Nevada's is 5.4. More than twice as high as New Hampshire's nation's lowest. New Hampshire, nearly everybody's working in that state. They only have 1.8% that want to work, can't work. Can't find a job. California has other issues. 
nationally, the state grew. Let's see what it says here. California. Last, it was a quarterly growth of personal income was at 0.7%. That's seven-tenths of 1% growth. That put us at the very bottom, near the very bottom. Texas, Texas saw 6.7% personal growth. And Florida, 7.9%. California couldn't even get to 1% people. Nationally, if you count all the states, it was 5.1% personal income growth. Again, California's couldn't. It was at 7. It's like half a percent almost. Bad situation. Bad, 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 bad. So did you read about the, um, the Chinese lab? Remember, they're going to now lie about it. Remember, they lied about the origins of the Wuhan gain-of-function research. All the lies, 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 lies. Remember calling you a flathead and a conspiracy theorist, and everything you were saying was correct. Now, state of California has worked to attract Chinese foreign direct investment. And they settled at several places around Fresno. They kept getting kicked out. And finally, they moved over to Reedley, California, which is kind of just outside Fresno. You with me? Okay. I'm not going huge into this. I'm just going to give you a taste of uh, what happened here. This was not the Chinese government. This was Fauci involved in this. California gave them all kinds of tax credits, three or four hundred thousand dollars to come. You know how these business, how these states, they hear a business is looking to where to land. So they try to sweeten the pot. They want to give them tax benefits. They want to give them, we'll give you some cash to get started, da, da, da. So the origin of the business dealings between city, county of Fresno and the Chinese owned Universal Meditech Prestige Biotech or under the immense scrutiny, KP, KVPR reported. The company had operated in Fresno since 2018 until a fire in 2020 and reported eviction from its location at North Point Business Park in 2022, and that began to imperil the company. As cited in my recent article, Mr. Zoyan Wong, CEO of UMI, praised the Fresno County Development Corporation's guidance regarding tax credit opportunities and HR resources. They really worked hard to help this com company. This is a bad company, people. You know how they did? Did you hear how they just stumbled across this company being totally broke and all the animals full of diseases and bottles full of diseases inside? Yet a code enforcement officer who works for the county of Fresno, and he's driving by. You've seen pipes coming out the side of buildings, right? No big deal. There's a certain way they come through the wall and go out. A pipe. They had a water hose, not running out of opening in the building, but, but coming right out the side of the building. Just a hole, a hole was put through, and a water hose, a water hose was snaked through the hole and just hung out. 
code enforcement officer thought that's that's a ridiculous thing to do, and you can't do that by code. So the uh, the code enforcement officer looked around and found out there was chemicals and dead pests, hundreds of dead mice or sick mice, full of COVID and other diseases. And it turns out that the state of California, Gavin Newsom, gave this company hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax credits. Sometimes people just get into these businesses. They really don't have a business plan. They really don't know how good it's going to get, but they just get the government because they're at a sweet spot with the government. They're either doing lab work or they're building electric foolish cars. And um, then they get in trouble. And the Economic Development Corporation, the EDC, there's one in each county. This, that was the corporation that uh, Dan Flores, supervisor for Sutter County, he got on it on a, as a board member to help determine who should get the, who should get the, uh, the loans. And then he turned around and tried to get himself a loan, and it took an attorney for the state of California to straighten him out and said, dude, you can't be on that board and get a loan. He said, well, can I, what if I step off the board? He, so he stepped off the board. That showed how much he wanted the, the money. He wanted there to get money from that EDC. Everywhere Flores goes, he wants his hand in the till. So, EDC is passing out all these tax credits, money, to get them what? To settle there in their region so they can hire some employees from the region. That's the way it works in government. They pick and choose their winners. And they pick this Chinese firm who was totally... Yeah, it's interesting when they talked about the Wuhan lab and the, there was questions about their hi, how how their hygiene was in the lab, how you kept it clean and stuff. This this is a train wreck. Did you see some of the photos of it? And yet our government so so what happened is the same thing that's happening in Maui. When they were trying to put out a news release to the people of the state of California what happened? From FBI to the state of California, we're telling the Board of Supervisors and city council people, hey, 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 don't don't be putting out any stuff. Uh, we don't want talking about this, right? Liars. They're liars. They want to lie. They want to do something that the people do not want to do. If they knew that was a toxic plant put there right on top of COVID, oh, baby. And I guess they'd even been in other states. They've been kicked out of other states. Same thing as, as uh, I told you earlier. They don't want anybody to divulge anything. And we gave them all kinds of tax benefits and free money. It's free money. If you, need, if you know somebody that needs Narcan, 
that is an antidote or antidote to opiates. And if you your friend tends to overdose on opiate, opiates, if you squirt this in his nose, uh, he may or she may come right back. And then you need to get him to the hospital. Some people think Narcan. You give them a squirt, they come back, and we just think, hey, party hardy, man. Welcome home. Let's get it on. No, it doesn't work that way. It only sets them free from the deaths of circling the drain for a little bit. So you need to drive them over to the ER and get them treated with some other medications. But the Narcan will definitely jumpstart them back if there's some life left, if you don't fool around. I was talking to some kids at Juvenile Hall uh, Monday night, and they said, when I said, don't leave your friend laying on the ground if he overdoses. And they looked at me like, oh, man, we're all going to get arrested. Maybe, maybe not. I told them, I said, there's good Samaritan laws. You could save, you could save a life. So, uh, I noticed there's an article here on uh, the Republican National Committee and the uh, California GOP and the House Speaker McCarthy launches California Bank Your Vote. I just want to say one thing about McCarthy, the head of the uh, RNC, that's Mitt Romney's niece, I think, or something like that, McDaniel. And this Jessica Patterson, who is the head of the CA GOP, these people are dishonest people. These people are lackeys. These people are, are, they're just chumming for a high-paying job. They get a lot of money, and they don't do jack. Jessica Patterson is a black hole. She's an empty suit. In this article, Bank Your Vote, she talks about all the wonderful things she's done to build the Republican Party in this uh state do you know all you have to do is look at state vote voter rolls look at one year after another year after another year and you'll see that the number of new voters like any voter push voter registration push there's nothing going on in california though she claims she's pushing it i think we do more registering new voters in in the conservative party than than anybody but this bank your vote is just a nonsense it's all about taking your money don't give the republican party any money it just goes for fat cats do you know that jessica patterson makes like 250,000 or more a year or something like that these people are just rip there's they're screwing you. Do you want to be screwed by politicians? This is called screwing you. So they they list elected officials. Uh, their names. And they list some people I like. Kevin Kiley. That's about it. The rest of them can drop dead. The rest of them could drop dead. A bunch of congressmen. One, two, three. Uh, these are California, all California guys. And then Speaker of the House McCarthy. Uh, I, I don't even think I'm going to vote for Kevin McCarthy. This is... 
Somebody reached out to me the other day and asked me who I would vote for if I was voting in the Levy District. I guess you all have your ballots now. I would vote for Marler, a guy named Marler. People tell me he's a good guy who works hard. Those other guys I don't have any confidence in, particularly Al Montna. Al Montna needs to retire and go stare at the ducks and mosquitoes out of his house. So... Bank your vote. Forget about bank your votes. It's a total ripoff. Uh, what's her name? I always forget her name. Um, Mitt Romney's daughter. McDaniel is her last name. And Jessica Patterson for California. These gals are grifters. They call them grifters. That's exactly what these people are. I would not trust them with a, with a, uh, a runt dog. I would not trust them. They are trouble. All right. Well, we're getting ready to uh, to land the plane here. So I want to mention to you, if you're concerned about election uh, integrity, election integrity, please go to freedomco.net and then go over to up at the top, it'll say issues and put your cursor right on issues. Don't have to click it. It'll just probably drop down. Maybe you have to click it. And then click on voter integrity. And there's a lot of good articles over there about that. Check out that website. You'll be more prepared than 100, 100 be one out of 100. You'd be way ahead of them if you read the information on that website. Really help you. We need your help standing up at supervisors' meetings in Yuba Sutter County and also at the city council meetings. They're doing stuff that they think is right, but, but it's really stupid stuff. And uh, there's just crazy things going on all over the country. And so what we can do is work on people we know. We know many of these people in office personally. We need to have a sit-down with them and explain the facts and say, don't do this, this is really bad juju. Many of them have sold their soul already, and they owe people so much, or they know something about them, whether they've messed around with a kid or another woman. They, if, if they don't do what they tell them, they're going to out them, right? Bad news. So we're coming to the end of our show. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week, Lord willing. And I uh, hope you do well. God bless you, and uh, good night. I see trees. Are green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies are blue. The bright blessed day and the dark sacred night and I think to myself